Hello and welcome to Caregiver Stories podcast, where we discuss all types of dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott. I'm a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at the age of 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in 2019, I started Caregiver Stories to give caregivers a place to tell their story when they're ready, to continue to educate others about dementia. And number one important reason to me for this podcast is to get people talking and having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed with dementia, some sort of a dementia, then what? Do you have a plan? I wish my mom and I had had this tough conversation before she was diagnosed. If you want to share your story or you have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on Caregiver Stories podcast, please visit thatkimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed. And while you're there, pick a platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, and now Amazon Alexa. And now we have that out of the way. I would like to welcome my guest today, Miss Loretta Vinny. Hi, Loretta. Hi, Kimberly. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Today's been a really good day, so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and I appreciate you giving me your time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, give the listeners a little background on who you are and what led you to do the work that you do today. Sure. So I am a Washington, D.C. native. I was born and raised there. And so our family, we're fifth generation Washingtonians. And there are not too many of us around. So that's a, that's a <laughs> pretty big deal. <laughs> Most areas. So the work I've been doing the last four years or so, a little more than that now, I have been speaking about dementia and, you know, caregiver caregiving pretty much throughout the United States. And so basically what led me to this is my mom. Good old mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Doris. That's her. That's her. And so she was diagnosed with dementia in 2006. So this is our 13th year Wow. with this disease. And, you know, like we say, I think, you know, it's so great to still have her here. And so I, I spend a lot of time and time helping other families as well, you know, get the most out of the day. And none of us like to see that blank stare. And so my mom just turned 90 in February. Wow. And Happy she belated birthday. <laughs> yes. And so she was diagnosed at age 77. So okay. that was very worrisome for me because my primary fear was that my mother would outlive my money. And I'm sure those of us caregivers out there yeah. knows exactly what that means. So. Great statement. Outlive that money. Yes. Hence why I want to be talking about this disease because we're living longer and it's definitely possible for everyone to outlive their money. (laughs) Absolutely. It was a huge fear for, you know, us. They they live a long time in our family. My great grandmother lived to be almost 107. Wow. Yes. Had you had conversations with your mom then about? No. The only we had had, that is a great question, and the only conversation we had had, and it was almost a joke, except she made us sign a document that said that, and her wish was, we didn't talk about where you want to be, or, you know, how much money you have, however, the, her comment always was, I do not want to live with my children, ah. and there were two of them, and she made a document 
And she made her sign a document that said that. And the reason for it, I believe, was pretty simple for her. She lived with her parents. I was born in my grandparents' home. Uh-huh. And she lived with her parents. She was basically a single mom for, you know, pretty much my entire life, uh-huh. you know, growing up. So for her, I think she saw it if you were married, which of course I eventually was, that she would never want to interfere in a married couple's relationship by being that meddling mother-in-law and moving in. Wow. But And so my sister and I used to joke about it, but then we found out she was serious and she made a son a document. And so one of the most interesting things about this journey for me is continuing to uphold my mother's wishes because now she wouldn't know where you put her, but I would know. Yeah. So I have, you know, worked very hard to, you know, have her in a place, A, that's safe, but B, still you know, satisfies that wish for her. And so if you ask her, she'll tell you in a minute. I live alone, which she does not. <laughs> she lives in a group home. Yeah. But she would tell and she has a roommate in this room that's, uh-huh. you know, you know, two feet big, but she swears she lives by herself. And they're very oblivious to each other, that's for sure. And wow. so it's just oh, it's a single family home. It's wonderful. But I am just proud that I have been able to, you know, honor that wish for her. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. huge. Good for her for making you sign the document you know, and for her to be yeah. aware and knowing that she didn't want this. My mother was adamant of me not coming home. I felt a lot of guilt the first year uh, and she did not want me to come home. The doctor said not to move her to Dallas because I live in Dallas, she lives in El Paso. And so yeah. I just got over that guilt and we make it work, but she's still living in her own home. Thank goodness. It, That's fabulous. But still, you don't know what you don't know. And good for your mom knowing that she didn't want you to do those things. And good for you for wanting to uphold her wishes. And even if it was just that one, (laughs) that she can proudly say that she lives alone, even though she doesn't. (laughs) 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 Sorry, that makes me giggle. It is hysterical. Yeah. When did you discover that she had dementia and was she fully diagnosed by a neurologist? Like what was, was the event? I know it was back when she was 77, but like, was there a certain event or was it build up or? It was just a, a, you know, kind of a build up. She forgot to fill out the check correctly. She would leave off the signature or who it was to or whatever. So little things like that. And she kept saying she was just absent-minded. But the big clue for us was when in her non-assisted living building, they had all kinds of exercise classes, and her favorite was Tai Chi. Oh. She didn't miss Tai Chi for anything. If you would call her in the morning and say, hey, mom, let's go to lunch. Oh, no, it's Tai Chi day. Like, honey, <laughs> tea is not till 2.30 in the afternoon. We have plenty of time to do nothing. No, it might be traffic. And I guess in D.C., you can't blame her for that. Yeah. But in any case, <laughs> yeah. call her one day from work, and I said, oh, you know, how was Tai Chi today? Because she would help the instructor put the chairs out and for those of them that couldn't stand. And the little weights or whatever they would do before or after stretching, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she would always report on that. So I said, oh, how was Tai Chi? And she was dead silent on the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I was so busy, I guess I forgot to go. And I remember saying that to my sister, hey, mom forgot to go to Tai Chi. And she said, what was she doing? And I said, I have no idea. And that should have been a really big clue for us. And that kind of wasn't our home moment for me, but I didn't do anything right away. But one of the chapters in my book called, it was the little things at first. And so there was just a whole lot of little things. Yeah. And then, you know, of course they get to one big thing eventually. And I didn't take it to a neurologist right away. You needed a referral, at least around here. Yeah. And her general practitioner guy, he didn't have a clue. He said, if, 
oh, I've known her for 20 some years, which he had, and I know she had dementia. Well, you see her once a year. What are you talking about? In any case, <laughs> they did a referral, and yes, they did just say, I mean, they didn't do a lot of testing, you know, just all the questions that she couldn't answer. And so that was as much, especially back then, that was as much as they would do. Yeah. And so, yeah, she couldn't remember the season even then, which was, you know, odd because she still dressed herself and all that. So that was interesting. But, yeah, she couldn't put words to some of the things. And so he just said she was in the beginning stages of dementia. But I remember it like it was yesterday and she was terrified just, you know, hearing the word. So that was the beginning for us. So did they immediately put her on medication when that happened? What did the conversation look like? Yeah, that yeah, that was a battle. Yeah, they wanted to put her on Aricep, and uh, there's nothing wrong with her except this. So she only takes like one thyroid pill. We both have the same thyroid thing. So she took one thyroid pill, and that was it. So she didn't want to take anything else. So she said, I don't want to take anything. And so I said, well, you don't have to take it. And he was really rude and kind of obnoxious. He said, well, she does. Yes, she does, if you want her to remember who, who you are. And I was like, well, clearly she was very upset about it. She didn't want to take anything. And and so finally she said, well, I'll try it. And I felt really bad for her. And then when we got outside, I said, you know, don't let him force you into doing anything you don't have to do. There's no cure for this. It's going to stave it off maybe a little. But if yeah. that's not what you can do. And anyway, she had every Aricep side effect known to man. If it was in that little leaflet you get with the drug, she had it. Hallucinations. Our dead relatives were chasing her. It was horrible. And then she, she took it for about six weeks. Then she had the ultimate side effect where it stopped her heart. And if I had not been with her, my mother would not be here today. Ah. And so she had every single side effect that they talk about in the leaflet. And that was the end of that. And I was relieved, just to be honest, because you know, she clearly didn't want to. And even if that meant, you know, the disease would progress faster, that's what she wanted. And so I am adamant. My number one thing is we're going to do exactly what she wants to do, whether you agree with it or not. And I eventually fired that guy. So I got another neurologist I was much happier with. So, yeah. And I tell people that all the time, you know, you don't have to stay with these, you know, medical folks that you don't agree with. You know, I'll fire a person in a minute. Yeah, because this is my mother we're talking about. So <laughs> yeah, you, you can get a second opinion or, or do your, yeah, you go rogue. <laughs> but yeah, they put my mom on the Menda. Right. And she's never been seen by a neurologist either, just because like you said, mm -hmm. you have to get a recommendation, but my mom loves her regular doctor and he's, you know, for the most part, he's really good. You know, we monitor and stuff like that, but she's so physically healthy that he said, that's the number one key. You know, no medicine's going to bring anybody's memory back. Mm -hmm. I tried to change her diet. That doesn't really work. She's Latin, right. you know, just eats what she eats when she wants to. And especially with Mexican food, it's really hard, you know, to be sure. more organic and all that stuff. But he said her continuing to go play tennis is, is what's going to keep her around. But I was definitely in a panic. What advice would you give to somebody who just became a caregiver? Just ah, a caregiver? My number one piece of advice is to be patient. It sounds crazy, but it yeah. is the number one skill that you need going <laughs> forward with the whole repetition. What's today? What's today? What's today? Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? And you need that. And, you know, along with the patients, you know, 
every day seems like a really long day when you first start. So I always say, just take one day at a time. Don't worry about what's going to happen next month or next year. Try to just stay, you know, in that one day. And what has gotten me through a lot of, you know, some really uncomfortable days be to have no expectations. That's what I call my motto. I have it on my desk. I have it in my bedroom. And by having no expectations, what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes we have our, you know, expectations too high. Like, you know, you might make a reservation at their favorite restaurant and you spend all this money and you go and you get all dressed up and everything. And then they hate it. They don't remember it anymore. Why did you bring me to this place or whatever? And, you know, you spent all this money and you thought it was going to go so well. And so you're so, you know, devastated when it doesn't go well. So I just approach every day like, okay, we're going to see what's going to happen. And that's how I approach it. And people tell me, wow, that's the, you know, I, I talk about this in my presentations. And people write that down, having no expectations. And people have written me to say, wow, that was the best advice you could have said. Because if it's a really bad day, I say, okay, well, tomorrow will be better. And if things went great, I just kind of go, yay. But <laughs> yeah. going into stuff with no expectations, because that way you're never hurt. And especially when it involves other people. Because just like we were talking about the neurologist, you know, you go in, you have your expectations about what's going to happen and not happen, and then it goes all haywire and everything. So sometimes other people can impact, you know, what goes on too. So you really can have expectations because, you know, you're not in control of so much of this disease. Yeah. And so that is a key thing. So be patient, take one day at a time and have no expectations. Yeah. Letting go and letting God is what I, yes. I real quick. <laughs> Ooh, that's for sure. Yes, I had to not be attached to what yeah. she did or didn't do and how she did, or, did or didn't do it. I just had to let it go. Mm. Right. <laughs> so um, true. It is because you can, as the caregiver, drive yourself a little batty, you know, and taking care of yourself first so you can take care of your loved one is important. So it is so important. And you can't survive this disease without that. So absolutely. 100%. Sure. What's one thing you want people to know when it comes to dementia? <laughs> so kind of one big thing, and that things. is... There might be a couple things, but... <laughs> yeah, so every day is different. Mm -hmm. That's what I always love to say. And forgiveness really is key because you mentioned it you know, earlier, having a lot of guilt. You have to forgive yourself for all these things that you can't get to or you can't move right now. Or you can't do all these things. So you have to forgive yourself, but even more, you have to forgive you know, your loved one too. They may say something they don't mean. They hurt your feelings and all that. Forgiveness really is required because you have to remember it's the disease and it's not them. Yeah. Because your parent would never have said that to you prior to this disease. And so you know, the forgiveness part, you know, especially the guilt, you know, you go to bed because you're so exhausted, but you say, oh, I didn't, you know, get mom in the shower today. Okay. Well, who's going to know besides you and her? And tomorrow's a new day, get her in the shower tomorrow. And so, you know, things that you did that you probably shouldn't have done and things that you left undone, I, you know, they're only 24 hours in a day. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. And so you still have to sleep as part of self-care, as you mentioned. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, some things you do have to leave undone. And so, you know, every day is different. And then forgiveness of yourself and your loved one. And, yeah. and that's, that gets you through a lot of days. Yeah, that's, 
That's great advice. It's definitely mm -hmm. something I learned after two years of beating myself up with a lot of things that I couldn't control. So Absolutely. And it's okay. And it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. you know, you're becoming the parent. So I like to tell people that, yeah, you know, yeah. I, yeah, we come in as children and we, we go out as children when we have, when this disease occurs. Sure do. So what is something that surprised you from being a caregiver? Yeah. So for me, it's really just how different your loved one becomes as the disease progresses. And what, you know, I say to people all the time is that I love my mother every day, whoever she is, yeah. you know, whoever she is that day. And, you know, she's been other relatives or she's thought I've been other relatives. And so I try to go with that. But honestly, there are some blessings to that because sometimes the things that were sort of bad for them also can go away. So in my mother's case, for example, my mother had very high anxiety. So you would ride in the car with her, look out, oh, that person's coming on your lane. And you know, wow. you want too fast, so slow down, oh my Lord. And so it was just crazy that now she doesn't remember any of that, that she had, you know, anxiety and she didn't like riding in the car. Now she just sit and look around at the trees. So it's a beautiful thing. So I never expected that to go away. I actually thought her anxiety would ramp up. And it does in some cases, you know, she does have the sundowning and all that. Mm -hmm. But there have been some things that have been left behind by this disease too. So wow, yeah. she's really different. And yeah. yeah, so that's not all, you know, it's not all bad. And, you know, in terms of being different, you also have to weigh a lot of decisions. And so like when my sister died in 2011, my mother had forgotten. She still remembered me at that time, mm -hmm. but she had forgotten she had two kids. Oh. So when my sister died, I chose not to tell her. So people were just like, oh my God, what do you mean? You didn't tell her. Listen here, what is she supposed to do with that information? Because that would be the one thing that she would remember that she would cry all the time. And then what would I do? So I just yeah. chose not to tell her. And same as when my husband died. I was very worried my husband died because they were inseparable. Uh, my husband and my sister died on the same day, five years apart. Uh, and she has never won. It's next week, too, July 17th. Mm -hmm. And she has never once asked for him, which is very interesting because he drove her everywhere. They did all this stuff together. But for him, one of the things that was interesting is, you know, she all she remembered him even longer than she remembered me, which was interesting. And he was just devastated when the first time she didn't remember him. So all of those different things happen. But along the way, depending on who they are and where they are, that's when those difficult decisions become even more important because, you know, I, so of course I didn't take her to my sister's funeral or my husband's, you know, we just let that go. And there are all kinds of pictures of everybody on her dresser. She never wants, she recognizes herself in the picture, but she never wants asked. She will say sometimes, who are the rest of these people in my picture? That's what she'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I look good in these pictures. Who are the rest of these people? Don't worry, sweetie. It's just us. Don't worry about us. Yeah. And it's just hysterical. But, you know, you have to be ready for that because yeah. they are very different as it progresses. But it also means in some respects, we have to treat them differently as well. Yeah. So that's case. one of the big surprises for most people. Yeah, case by case. And good for you for doing what was going to yeah. cause both of you less stress. Both. Yes. I mean, because yeah. you, you didn't know which way she was going to go. And Correct. you erred on the side of, I don't yep. want to make her sad. So, you, you know what I mean? My mom's brother passed away 
and she was determined to go to the funeral. So my brother took her because he lived in California. My grandmother didn't go, but she went and it gave my brother the experience of being with her for more than just three or four hours. So he was actually with her almost two to three day trip. And so he got to really experience and because he was in that denial phase of, oh, mom can still drive herself. Mom can still go to the store. Oh, yeah. No, she can't. And then when he took her on this trip, I feel like, you know, there's a picture on her wall of her brother, but the only time she remembers that he's passed is when someone else brings it up. So she's not sad either way because that close, you know, she went out of respect. You know, she loved him. That's her brother, but she hadn't seen him you know, since their father had passed away four years prior. So, you know, it just, it worked out, but in the moment it was sad and she did the right thing because she really wanted to be there because my grandmother couldn't go. So my brother and I, you know, so, you know, I got the plane ticket my brother got the hotel and they went, but it was just, you know, it could have gone either way, but she went, she went, you know, like she was determined. So, but that, that's been like, two years maybe now three years so Mm -hmm. it was a good lesson for my brother for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) never know how to see the pair and it can be so difficult you know traveling and my mother didn't travel places anyway yeah she kind of traveled vicariously through us so yeah at this point I wouldn't take her anywhere we had a really funny story and you know but the other thing about being different is sometimes you underestimate what they can still comprehend because I have an RV Mm-hmm. And so I was going to take my mom for a short ride. I needed gas for my next trip. So I had her with me. So I said, well, let me take her to get gas. So her first time riding it. She sat in it and we've eaten in it. And so she's very familiar with it. We have little snacks and everything. So when I put the seatbelt on her and we were getting ready to drive off, her face just looked, she looked horrified. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, you can't drive off in your house. <laughs> And you're like, wow, she gets that. Yeah. That when I'm not at home, I live in that. Uh-huh. And so she's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to drive off, and you can't drive off in your house. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, they surprise. Like, yeah. I stopped all the time. All the time. <laughs> what a chuckle that must have been, for sure. Yes. Yes, she is so funny. So you got to laugh, too. The big thing about this disease, you really have to laugh. Absolutely. Humor is one of the more that I laugh about stuff with her um, yeah. or get her to laugh about, you know, whether she's pissed off at me or not. Right. Is really been helpful, you know, and keeping mm-hmm. positive, upbeat, whatever it is around, mm-hmm. you know, is very helpful as well, you know. For That's them. so true. For sure. So tell the listeners a little bit how they can get a hold of you and, and buy your book as well. Sure. So my uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is on my website. It's pretty easy. It's my name, <laughs> com. So that's pretty easy. And it has information about the books on the website. So the book that is probably the most popular is The Being My Mom's Mom. What a title that came right from her. <laughs> It is very much what you just mentioned, being my mom's mom. Yeah, we were in a McDonald's and she ordered an ice cream cone. The lady looked at me as if for permission. She had never been in McDonald's before dementia. But in any case, 
So the, the cashier looks at me like, is that all she wants, the ice cream cone? I said, well, you can have your ice cream cone, but you have to eat all your lunch first. And the lady burst in, in, into laughter. And my mother said to the cashier, I used to be her mom, and now she's mine. So there you have that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write that book. So there you have it. <laughs> and then I also wrote an uplifting book for caregivers. It's a motivational book with photos, about 150 photos that my husband and I took all around the world and I dedicated to him, you know, he passed away, but I added motivational sayings to all the pictures to try to sort of lift the caregivers up on a really bad days. And that one is called refreshment for the caregiver spirit. And I call it refreshment because my mother's favorite word is refreshments. We'll go somewhere and say, they have refreshments. <laughs> So it's like her favorite, and she gets really excited about the refreshment. So I uh, called it that. And then I try to always find something for my mom. And so um, I created a coloring book for her when she got all frustrated with the other coloring books because she could no longer stay in drawing those little lines. Uh So I used Word to make a lot of geometric shapes. So I did some art with shapes, and she picked out the one she liked, and it became a coloring book called Colors from My Mind. There you go. And so that's the third book about this favorite. It came out right for her birthday. She turned 90, and so it was a great birthday present for her, and she loves it. And I call it an intergenerational coloring book because my granddaughter just turned seven, and she, you know, is now, of course, coloring inside the lines. But for a long time, she couldn't do that. So it works for ages at each end. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. That's awesome. So that's the way to get in touch with me. And they can buy these books on Amazon, correct? Yeah, absolutely as well. And you're on LinkedIn. And if anybody has any questions about your speaking as well. Yeah, they can give me that. And my, I'm on uh, Facebook, Loretta Woodward Beanie. And so uh, my middle name as well. Yeah. So I use that middle name for my mom. So awesome. Maiden name. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, Loretta. I really appreciate you joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Yes. And thank you to the listeners. If you know somebody who could use Loretta's story and or her books, share the podcast. And while you're there sharing, rate the podcast wherever you are listening, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, Amazon, Alexa. And to the caregivers listening, take care of yourself so you can continue to take care of others. And to all those who have not had that conversation with your family member about the what if something happens, and they can no longer care for themselves, then what? Do you have a plan? And take from this daughter with a mother with dementia, two daughters <laughs> with, <laughs> with mothers with dementia. We wish we'd had that tough conversation. Yeah. Tomorrow is promised to no one. Thank you again, Indeed. Loretta. Thank you.